You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based champion championship team. So we've seen David Stearns go to work on rebuilding this front office. They're also putting together the coaching staff. The bench coach job is a big one. You figure the guy who gets that job is someone who's managed before. Willie Randolph would have been fun. Willie Randolph would have been intriguing, but it was always tough to imagine Willie Randolph taking this job. And he's not according to Newsday because he hasn't coached in a bunch of years. Obviously he hasn't managed in a long time. That is a job. That's a pain in the rear end. I mean, you're traveling all the time. He had done it before. I'm sure he likes Carlos Mendoza and could have been a good mentor for Carlos Mendoza. But at this point in Willie Randolph's life, does he really want to be living in hotels? So it would have been a nice addition if they could pull it off. But according to New York Newsday, Willie Randolph is not going to take the bench coach job. That leaves Phil Nevin. Phil Nevin obviously was not a great manager for the Angels. He's a fiery guy. He has experience as a coach. Sure, bring him in. The only prerequisite I think I look at when it comes to what do you want as the bench coach, I think is really a guy that's managed before, especially when you have a manager who's managing for the first time. So we'll keep an eye on that over the next couple of days. The other positive news is that Francisco Lindor finally got Jeff McNeil his car. Yay. Yeah, that was a concern for some. Very own Pete Hoffman didn't like that. Thought that was a problem. What's Frank what's Francisco doing? He's got to get McNeil a car, but he finally did it. A Ford Bronco. And I don't want to hear anybody complain about what kind of car it is. Bottom line is, he promised something to Jeff. I have no idea why it took him a year. No idea. You know, I lose a bet. Not that this was a bet, but I promised somebody something. I try to do it immediately. Immediately. But that's good, right? Now, what does it mean? Does it mean they're not trading Jeff McNeil now? Does it mean the locker room is fantastic? Ah, it doesn't really mean anything. But it makes some people happy. I'll tell you something else that doesn't mean anything. And I brought this up on the air the other day. And I said it because I was emotional. And I am an emotional guy. And when we do a Rico Bronia right after a Met game, I'm going to maybe be a little bit more emotional than I normally am because it's right after the game. I don't have time to let things marinate. When you have times to let things marinate, you know, you you start to be a little bit more rational. But when something happens immediately, it's tough to be rational. So yesterday, as we're doing the show, and by yesterday, I mean on the Tuesday Evident Tiki program, 
I saw an early look at the Mets promotional schedule, which as a season ticket holder and a father of two young boys, I love to see the promotional schedule because they love it. They love giveaways at City Field, just like I used to love giveaways at the old Shea Stadium. And there were certain ones I was all pumped up about. Certain ones I was like, ah, it's great. As an adult, do I care about it as much now? Eh, Maybe not as much. But I still care, especially as a season ticket holder, as someone that may have to sell certain tickets that are hotter than others. And so it comes out. I see the firework nights. I see the Mr. Met is in a London telephone booth night. I see the basketball jersey. I saw the rugby jersey. They're giving away a rugby jersey. A soccer jersey. My favorite one is the pickleball paddle giveaway. That is a, that's a must. That's number one on my list. But then I saw the player giveaways. And I saw Lindor. And I saw Nimmo. And I said, where is my guy, Pete Alonso? And so it caused for about 25 minutes a little fretting, a little panic about where's Pete, where's Pete, where's Pete. Now, I had a chance to go to sleep. I had a chance to wake up. And I had a chance to realize that none of this matters. Okay, the promotions department is not getting word from David Stearns that they may trade Pete Alonso. Now, if Pete Alonso had a giveaway, would I feel slightly better? Maybe a little bit. Let's say they're really going to produce all these bobbleheads to then trade him. But it did cause panic at first because that is the cloud hanging over this entire offseason. You know, right now it's all about adding. And I think the obsession of our eye is Yamamoto. Most Met fans have kind of come to terms that Shohei Otani seems pretty unrealistic. Even though he may be, none of us really know what Otani wants. But we have been told by the baseball insiders, the John Heymans, the Jeff Passons, that, yeah, Otani doesn't seem that hot for the New York Mets. Okay, so we've sort of accepted that. And our passion is Yamamoto, even though it's a guy we've barely seen. But for good reason, for the need of starting pitching, for the success of Kodai Senga, we have all kind of pointed our eyes straight at Yamamoto and said, that's our guy. But the cloud hanging over this offseason is trading Pete, extending Pete, or doing nothing with Pete. Those are the three options. Doing nothing with Pete is probably the likeliest scenario, but it's still going to cause that cloud to hover over going into the 2024 season. There's going to be a lot of questions. There's going to be more trade rumors depending on how the season goes. There's going to be a thought, oh, is this Pete's final time at the Subway Series? Is this Pete's final at-bat in this situation, that situation? So it's still a cloud. If they trade him, well, I think a lot of us are going to be very upset. Now, you could say, well, Evan, it depends on the return. Well, the return's going to be young prospects. We have no idea what those guys are. Well, we're going to look at ranking systems and say we feel good about it? Come on. Now, extending him? Oh. That would excite me. And I think most Met fans. I don't think a lot of Met fans are going to nitpick the contract and say, oh my God, can you believe they gave that to Pete Alonso? No, I think we would just be excited that he's back. We'd be pumped up. So the Pete Alonso cloud hovers over. So when the promotional schedule comes out and I'm breaking it down and I don't see Pete, you can understand why there's a little bit of concern. Just a slight bit of concern. But we haven't heard any rumors about negotiations. We've heard no rumors about them talking. And truthfully, we haven't had any rumors about trades. I mean, the only trade rumor that's come out over the last couple of days and weeks is that the Cubs think that Christopher Morrell could be the centerpiece of a trade. Great. They could think that all they want. Doesn't mean it's going to happen. Let's get to some of your emails, the RicoB at gmail.com. 
Noah writes, I'm lukewarm on the Mets' pursuit of Yashinobo Yamamoto, and here's why. I'm I'm very much intrigued by this email because that is the universal target that Met fans have. We all want Yamamoto, and here's Noah starting an email off by saying, I'm lukewarm. Now let's listen to his reasons and be open-minded. You've already acknowledged that the Mets would need to go to a six-man rotation since both Yamamoto and Senga are more comfortable with five or six days in between starts. That's fine for the regular season, but what about the playoffs? The goal here is to win a championship, and asking your two best starters to go five days between starts in a playoff series is obviously impossible. The alternative, asking your two best starters to all of a sudden pitch on regular or even short rest with the season on the line seems like an equally bad idea. We might be able to make it work with one pitcher who can't pitch on regular rest, but not two, and certainly not our two best pitchers. That's just not going to work in a playoff series where you need to maximize your win potential in every single game. I'd rather see the Mets spend their money this year on workhorses who could take the ball every fifth day, a combination of Nola, Montgomery, Gray, or Gibson. Obviously, Nola and Gibson are gone. That leaves Sonny Gray or Jordan Montgomery. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. So it's an interesting point, and it's a good point, because we went over it with Senga this past season. Most of his starts came with an extra day of rest. He did not pitch on regular rest often, and he wasn't as effective. I think the goal that the Mets have to have, and it's the goal I would have, is that you are trying to ease these guys onto regular rest. So in year one of Yamamoto, who's only 25 years old, and in year two of Kodai Senga, it makes sense to build a six-man rotation. But it also makes sense to ease both guys into pitching on normal rest. So eventually, let's say in three years, maybe two years, as Yamamoto is in the prime of his career, pitching on normal rest becomes the norm. Like, I don't look at the six-man rotation as a permanent thing because the Mets would have a rotation that's headlined by two Japanese pitchers. I think it's more getting used to it. Even Senga this upcoming year, I think there are going to be more days this year than last year where maybe he pitches on regular rest. And the reason I say that, even though I want to build a six-man rotation, is you may not permanently have a six-man rotation. If guys are getting hurt or guys are ineffective, you could end up in a spot where you don't have a six-man rotation, or you're pitching Senga occasionally on regular rest to see how he reacts. So I get Noah's concern, because obviously when you look at the postseason, you'd have to be ultra-creative, and it would hurt you to not pitch your best starters as often as possible. But I think, A, your goal is to eventually have guys pitch on regular rest, and B, you got to get to the playoffs first, as we learned this past year. You need to win games in the regular season. And I hate to get in the weeds on a divisional series because the Mets haven't participated in a divisional series since 2015. It's been a very long time. But when you look at the way things break down with off days, the guy who pitches game one and the guy who pitches game two are both options to pitch in game five. 
because the guy who pitches in game one would actually do it with an extra day of rest, and the guy who pitches game two would do it on normal rest. So there are ways for you to maneuver it where you'd be giving whoever pitches game one to come back in game five with actually an extra day of rest. LCS World Series, much more tricky. Much, much, much more tricky. But in the wild card series and the divisional series, it's not as big of a factor. So if that's your only concern, Noah, I'd stay away from it. Micah writes, love the show. I need to know, was Craig Carton actually a Yankee fan or did he just do it for the show? (laughs) Uh, Come on, you know the answer to that. You damn well know the answer to that. I've got to answer it. Jimmy writes, hey guys, if I'm David Stearns, I'm filling third base internally. We did that on our last podcast, went deep into third base. If you haven't listened, go back into the archives. We focused on internal and external options at the hot corner. I'm filling third base internally, Jimmy writes. Evan, you hit the nail on the head on the last Rico regarding Luis Guillorme. His 2022 stretch playing every day is more evidence in what I believe. You cannot judge a player based on a platoon or part-time play. The Mets were so high on Beatty and Vientos. We bitched all year about them not getting playing time. Vientos will be 24. Beatty will be 25 to start the 24 season. Beatty has 391 major league at-bats scattered over two seasons. Vientos has 254 major league at-bats scattered through the 2023 season. Is that the sample size we're judging our prospects on? A spring training competition makes no sense considering Beatty had a great spring and uh, under-report year. Uh, I guess a bad year is what he's saying. Where they play is up to Mendoza and Stearns, but they need to play DH every day for at least four to six weeks. Keith always thought Memorial Day was a good time to evaluate, and I agree. Job security plays in a confidence in building a routine to handle the stress and speed of major league play. I hesitate moving Mauricio to third base for two reasons. Number one, he showed competence at second. Number two, I'd want to remain in the middle infield in case, God forbid, Lindor goes down with an injury and Mauricio needs to take over shortstop. I want to trade Jeff McNeil, but for right now, he's the left fielder on my roster. I do agree that to determine Beatty, Vientos, and Mauricio, we need to see more. And I think we all agree on that. As bad as Beatty's season was last year, I'm not throwing him out. Am I trading him? I'm probably not even trading him because I don't think his value is as high as it could be. His value a year ago was a hell of a lot higher than it is now, and I'm not ready to say this is who he is, just get rid of him. So I agree with you that you need to see more, good and bad, because it goes both ways. The good is he wasn't good. We still need to see more. And the opposite of that is, hey, that guy tore it up for a month. I believe he's the guy. No, you still need to see more. It's kind of like DJ Stewart. I know DJ isn't a prospect, but he had a great month and a half. Is that enough? To say, DJ Stewart's my everyday left fielder? Not really. So I think we agree, and I think most of us would agree, we need to see more. The question is, how do you determine who gets what job, and are you okay just handing it to them? When we say you need to see more, does Brett Beatty have to go out and do something before he gets the opportunity at the major league level to do more? What I mean by that is, okay, it's spring training. He has a bad spring training. You still handing him the third base job? It's a weird double-edged sword because as well as he plays in spring training, that's also not going to convince us he's the man. But if he plays poorly in spring training, are you comfortable saying you're the third baseman? 
I also disagree about Mauricio at third base. I don't think Mauricio playing third base as opposed to second base keeps him away from filling in Lindor at shortstop if something goes down with Lindor. It's his natural position. If he has to slide back over to shortstop, I don't think it'll be a huge issue. Jeffrey Benson writes, I want no part of Juan Soto. He's one of the worst defensive base runners in the league. The Mets should pivot to Fernando Tatis Jr. His contract is reasonable, paid to age 35, and will make less than the league qualifying offer for the next two years. He's one of the best defensive base runners in the game, and he's getting better every year. Two parts to this. Let's start with Soto, and then we'll tackle Tatis. Juan Soto is a brilliant, brilliant hitter, and he's 25 years old. So you can nitpick his defense and his base running, but we cannot just ignore his ability to get on base 42% of the time. His ability to hit 30 home runs a year. Assuming he can get back to the guy he was during his real big years of 2019, 2020, he's a guy who can hit over 300. He is a tremendous offensive player. So the part where you say, quote, I want no part of Juan Soto, I can't agree with that. Now, do I want to give up prospects for him when he's a rental? No. I disagree with my fellow Met fans about that. I am not, I don't have the mood right now to be trading key prospects for a guy who's a free agent after one season. Will I trade key prospects in a deal for Luis Robert Jr.? Yes. Yes, I'm in. When I read at the GM meetings that the White Sox are basically saying, hey, everybody's for sale, we're open for business, I'd be harassing them about Dylan Cease and Luis Robert Jr. You go make a super package for those two guys? Now, obviously, we got to look at which prospects you're giving up. There are some I don't want to give up. There are others I'm more willing to give up. But think about what you're getting in return. You're getting two guys who are controllable. You're getting a potential, if he's not already there, superstar outfielder in Robert And you're getting an innings eater who's also young and in his prime in Dylan Cease. And both guys don't have to get paid yet. I'm not doing that for a rental. But that's different than Jeff saying, I want no part of Juan Soto. As a free agent next year, depending on how free agency plays out this year, there's a really good chance that's going to be our obsession. Really good chance. Whether he's traded to the Yankees or not, it doesn't matter. And that's my warning to the Yankees. You can go trade for Juan Soto. He's going to be a free agent. And when he's a free agent, maybe that's the guy Steve Cohen goes balls to the walls for. As far as Tatis is concerned, I just don't think he's available. So, yeah, you don't have to sell me on (laughs) why they shouldn't go after him. I don't think he's available. 